Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on the day's sports stove podcast. We're going to talk about alliances and fantasy football that and just a little bit more that's what's cooking on today's sports stove podcast from belly up sports and the belly up podcast network you're listening to the sports stove podcast with your host Vince Stover. welcome in to a new edition of the sports stove podcast i'm your host vince stover and i am joined as i am usually by my dad dale stover dad how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Summer's about over, getting to fall football. Yeah, football is upon us. We've got our first uh, college football game kicking off this weekend. Um, along with that, we've got uh, the NFL starting up pretty soon as well. High school football's already started, so we're in full full bloom with that. We want to welcome in our listeners on Unhinged Radio. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Also, our listeners watching live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And then all those listening to the later version of the podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Today, we are presented by a new sponsor, La Terrain Watches. Built for the man on the go, the compass is primed to take on life's moments. From casually keeping time around the boardroom table to backing you up in tough terrain. Style and function go hand in hand with this wristwatch that offers dependability under any circumstance. Reliable, versatile, and great looking and easy to wear every day. The Compass is right for you at a great price. La Terrain has partnered with the Sports Stove uh, to bring you now great watches at great prices. If you go to law-terrain.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE, you're going to get 10% off your purchase. All Law Terrain watches are backed with an international 24-month warranty to protect against any manufacturer issues. Law Terrain stands behind their products because they know they're built with high expectations. So visit law-terrain.com. Use the code SPORTSTO for 10% off. Again, that's law, L-A-Terrain, T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com code sports stove for 10 percent off and we're excited to have la terrain with us now on the sports stove podcast and are excited to see that partnership grow as well uh deb we're talking about football coming up a week uh from wednesday is the first ever sports stove local edition we're focusing in on the university of kentucky and uh, Eastern Kentucky University Athletics, and of course, football season is upon us. We have an interview with Walt Wells, the Eastern Kentucky head football coach, and uh, Terry Bowden, the Louisiana Monroe football coach. They're going to be playing against Kentucky, so Terry Bowden will join us as well. Of course, the son of the legendary Bobby Bowden, and uh, so excited to have that conversation with them. We'll preview the uh, the games and uh, get everybody ready for the big upcoming week one in college football. But today... 
Uh, we're going to talk a little college football before we have a guest on. We got uh, Commissioner Cooper from TSS Fantasy is going to join us here in a little while to talk some fantasy football. But the uh, news broke of the College Football Alliance, where the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC are forming an alliance together uh, to uh, help mainly with scheduling. That's going to be the big thing is the they'll be uh, scheduling interconference games and things like that. Uh, but that also is the idea to protect from uh, a downfall of a conference kind of like the Big 12 is currently experiencing. So when I read through the details, Dad, I look at it and I say, this is this could fall through at any moment. <laughs> there's there's no signed papers. This is a handshake. This is a verbal agreement. This is a, hey, we're not going to steal your people. You're not going to steal our people. Um, and if we know anything about college sports, the leadership in college sports, this this is just doomed to fail, is it not? Well, I it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I knew when the SEC made the move that, um, I think you and I talked, you know, the Big Ten would not be outdone. I looked for teams to add there. And, of course, it, and then there was talk about the Pac-12 and the ACC. And um, I, I think this can work. I think right now the announcement, like you said, is just, as they said, is just to stabilize the situation rather than people. And I'm sure people have already talked to people about mm-hmm. moving around with conferences. So the deal is, let's let's just stay where we're at. Uh, let's see if we can help each other and uh, see, you know, where if it can stabilize, then you'll see where everything um, falls. Because there's a lot of questions to be answered um, in college sports right now. When I heard this today, my first thought was the people most in trouble could be the NCAA. I think they will need to really get ahead of this and be working with both the SEC and this new alliance and assure them of how things are going to work in scheduling, in tournaments, and things like that, because this may change the whole idea of conference champions and playoffs and things like that. And if this alliance gets to be official and you already have the SEC growing and they may grow some more, you never know, um, you know, these groups have the teams, they have the fans, um, television to be more than interested in these teams because things have always come up with the NCAA and teams have said, well, hey, we may just go out on our own. We well, really couldn't do that. But now you have organizations when maybe you could. And I think the NCAA can end up being fine through this, but they'll need to get ahead of it not react, Um, and, again, they're not going to be able to bully people and hassle people like they have some in the past. Um, They'll need to work, too, to keep it because, you know, I thought that, you know, the NCAA, one of the great things is March Madness. Boy, you'd hate to lose that. There's the beauty of small schools having a chance to upset and make a run. But, hey, look at the SEC and this alliance. How many teams are there? They all qualify. They're all going to be in a tournament. Wow, you've got just about as many as you had in the NCAA tournament, and that would be quite a tournament there too. So, um, you know, these alliances could can provide some opportunity. Um, it will be interesting, like you said, how much will they work together? Um, 
you know, will it fall apart? Um, I think they're going to have to continue to make progress. It can't just be we got an alliance and we're going to just put everything on hold. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the SEC does. Well, see, I think this actually, the NCAA is excited about this because instead of forming three major conferences, now they still have all the same number of conferences. And at the end of the day, there's nothing going to change as far as you still have the Big Ten tournament, you still have the ACC championship, you still have the Pac-12 championship. None of that's going to intertangle. It's just the fact that you look at strength of schedule. This is going to help strength of schedule situations because now Ohio State, has the potential of playing Clemson and USC in the same season, whereas you got Alabama who's facing, uh, who will be facing Texas and Oklahoma and Georgia and LSU and those kind of teams. So it's just going to help and strengthen their strength of schedule. It's going to help strengthen the TV money that's going to come in and things like that. I think the alliance is the best thing the NCAA could possibly hope for because it's not going to take people into independence. As a matter of fact, it's keeping them kind of under the umbrella still. Whereas the SEC is kind of pulling some some power moves to get some independence, uh, the other conferences, as we saw during the COVID situation, right? The Big Ten, they're like, we're not going to play football. COVID's bad. And then uh, they thought everybody would follow, and they didn't. And next thing you know, the SEC and the Big 12 were playing football, and the Big Ten was sitting there looking like idiots because they weren't playing football. So uh this is i think a big mistake honestly by the by the the alliance conferences that are coming in and i think it's going to end in miserable failure in the end now you know will it work for 3 years 5 years 6 years maybe but i think in the end eventually what the sec is doing is going to take hold and somebody somewhere ohio state clemson florida state usc somebody is going to say I want something more, and they're not getting it out of an alliance because the alliance is just following the NCAA rules, whereas the SEC is pushing the boundaries and ultimately pushing teams to independence, and I think we're headed that way. Let's go to the Big 12. They're losing Oklahoma and Texas, and again, this is supposed to be a few years down the road. I think it'll happen sooner, but the Big 12 is losing their their powerhouse teams, which is why... These other conferences started to freak out because if the Pac-12 lost USC and Oregon, if the Big Ten lost Ohio State and, and Michigan or Wisconsin, if the ACC lost Clemson and North Carolina, next thing you know, they're going to crumble too. So uh, where does this leave the Big 12? They're not in the alliance. <laughs> so they're still sitting there going, okay, we got to find some teams to come join the conference or we have to find a way into another conference. But it looks like with this alliance – they're not going to be adding team to these conferences. So where does this all leave the Big 12 conference? Well, um, like I said, uh, they're definitely um, in trouble. Um, I don't know that it would be better to – I think depending on how organized this alliance gets, you may see another group, um, kind of a secondary group, form in a big group with the idea of helping with scheduling the college or some of the universities that are, are still good in sports, but not quite in that category, um, may form a group. Some of these would be in there. I would think some of the, I guess, better schools, especially when you think of football, um, you know, surely they're looking at trying to make a move, but maybe this alliance stops that. I don't know. You know, you've got Oklahoma State, you've got Baylor, you've got Iowa State. 
Um, definitely ones where there'd be interest, Kansas and basketball um, and different ones like that. So I don't know. I never thought that made a lot of sense for them to join in the Pac-12. Um, and I don't think it would have strengthened the Pac-12. I think this alliance could, but I think they're going to have to do more than just help with scheduling. Um, like I said, if this doesn't help, then what's going to be the advantage to Ohio State to be in this? Um, I mean, it's got to help. Now, if, if UCLA is on the schedule, USC on the schedule, Oregon gets in the mix, okay, then it's a different situation. But um, it, 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 there's definitely some things I have to work out, and I think information will need to come quickly. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is not helping the schools. It's helping the conference, mm-hmm. and it's helping the NCAA. That's why ultimately it's going to fall. It's going to fail. It's not going to work because the whole th- I mean, they're going to get some money out of this. The scheduling things that they're going to do where they're going to have some big games between Ohio State and USC or Wisconsin and Oregon or Clemson and Oregon or whatever it may be, this is they're going to get some money out of that because of TV deals. The Big 12 or the Big 10 network is going to re-up and have a bigger contract and the same thing with the Pac-12 and the same thing with the ACC. But ultimately, the grass is going to be greener on the other side. Uh, the, the bigger super conferences, that's where it's going to be. Going back to the Big 12, you look at them – uh, the Ohio, I think it was the Ohio State guy came out and said, or maybe it was the, the Big Ten commissioner came out and said, you know, we want the Big 12 to succeed. We need them to succeed. We need the five conferences. And I'm sitting there going, how are they going to succeed? Because no matter who you add to the Big 12 now, and, and you're not taking them out of the Big Ten, you're not taking them out of the, uh, out of the Pac 12, you're not taking them out of the ACC. So who are you going to add? Teams like Cincinnati? Well, that's not going to get the national world excited about the Big 12. It's just not going to work that way. So ultimately, the Big 12, I think, is going to have to crumble. I think they're going to have to disperse, find conferences to get to, because it just does not make sense right now. There's no no universities. There's Notre Dame, but again, they're tied to ACC and other sports, so that's where they're going to end up ultimately. Outside of that, there's no big schools, great uh, money-drawing schools that you can throw into the Big 12 and everybody goes, oh, this is great, <laughs> right? There's no Texases, there's no Oklahomas out there to give to the Big 12 to make them a successful uh, brand again. It's just not going to happen. So in my opinion, the alliance ultimately will crumble. Um, give it a couple years. Uh, you'll see the super conferences form all over. Uh, you'll have three major conferences, I think. and then, Or maybe you go to one. Maybe the SEC says we're doing our thing. Who's on board? And, and that's it. You know, the SEC branches out on its own. I don't know, but I don't see how the big 12 survives this. Not, not at least in any respectable way. They may still be the big 12. They may still have a conference, but to me, there's just no way to save it now. Cause there's no teams, especially if you can't take them from the other conferences, there's no teams that can, can form a big 12 conference that makes it respectable again. And, it, you know, ultimately Oklahoma State they and Baylor, I mean, they've got to be thinking, how do we get out of here <laughs> and, yeah. and and where do we go? I mean, you know, the SEC is probably not going to well, – I mean, the SEC might would take Oklahoma State. I don't know. Maybe they would take Baylor. I mean, A&M would be upset if Baylor comes too, right, because they're the only Texas team in the SEC, and now they're one of three. So I don't know. Nonetheless, I think it's crazy. I think the alliance – I just I, – I laugh. 
Anytime I hear the word alliance, I laugh. I think of a scene from The Office. I think of the show Survivor. And I all, these alliances never work. <laughs> they always fail. They always fall. And I think it's going to happen again here. But college football is going to be entertaining, is it not? Um, the SEC, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, is going to make it more entertaining. The inner, uh, the, the scheduling between conferences of the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, it's going to bring some entertaining football along the way. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to be happy about it. We're going to be excited about it. So um, until the alliance falls, we'll just go with it and uh, enjoy it while it lasts, I guess, and, and go from there. Uh, I still think the SEC is going to try to trade out, you know, Vanderbilt for somebody else, <laughs> you know, things like that. Let's get some, uh, let's get all the teams decent, but uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. All right. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, again, want to remind you today's episode is presented by Law Terrain Watches. Go to law-terrain.com, enter the code SPORTSSTOVE, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. All right, Dad, you ready to talk some fantasy football? Yes? Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to surprise you with it or anything. We're, not, uh, we, we're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's got a, we, me and Dad got a draft on Friday, so Dad's still working on that right now uh, nonetheless. But uh, we're going to bring in a guest at this time. Uh, he is the host of TSS Fantasy. Commissioner Cooper from TSS Fantasy joins us now. I don't know what to call you, Coop. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the program. <laughs> I appreciate it. Commissioner Cooper's cool. It's like the little um, uh, moniker I made up for myself. And hey, I appreciate Dad's ready to rumble for fantasy too. Yeah, Dad's ready to go. Um, we've got lots of fantasy things. Like I said, we've got we've got two drafts over the next two weeks that me and Dad are both in the same leagues. Um, I unwisely scheduled them during a time that I'll be live on the radio doing a high school football game. So I'm going to have to one hand on the phone drafting while I'm trying to pay attention to kids running around on a ball field. But nonetheless, we had a poll out uh, yesterday or today, I guess, asking our uh, Twitter followers what they prefer in a fantasy league, a non-PPR, uh, a half PPR or a full PPR the uh, the poll goes down to the uh, PPR leagues. Fifty four percent of our pollsters voted for PPR. Thirty two percent voted the uh, half PPR, and then a lousy fourteen percent for non PPR. Commissioner Cooper, are you a fan of of PPR, non PPR, or the the half? All right, this is a great question, and I'm glad you put it up on your poll. Actually, I did vote in it, and I actually. I'm a traditionalist, believe it or not. I like the standard. It's just a little easier, to be quite frank. I don't have to keep up with who caught what and who did that. It's just straight up yards, touchdowns, and who did what. So, And and I have a league that I've been in 20-plus years. We have brought up PPR, I swear, every year, and every year it gets voted down. So me being a traditionalist, standard to me is the way to go. 
I could tell by your running back rankings that you were a non-PPR guy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to those in just a second. Uh, Before we get into talking about some of your rankings and some of the other rankings as well, uh, the news came out that Travis Etienne is out for the season. And my immediate thought as a compassionate soul was, ooh, James Robinson, his stock's going up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. How, how far does yeah how far how far up does Robinson jump up in the standings now? Okay, so for me, um, again, Robinson finished last year. He was the seventh running back overall in a in a lackluster offense. He's had it. He had his good days. He had his off games. Our good games and off games, but he had some relatively good games last year. So I actually had him originally before the injury around the 29th at in standard. Um, basically because I could see, see the timeshare coming. Now that it's gone away, he's vaulted up to me to number 13. He's a good high-end RB2, I would see him at, in this offense. Um, who knows? And if this offense takes off, it could be, you know, he could be top 10, back to where he was, 7. You know, who knows at, the, at that point. Uh, tell us real quick, before we get into more of the, the rankings and stuff, tell us a little bit about TSS Fantasy, how it got started, uh, kind of what's the the mantra around TSS fantasy? Sure. No, thanks for that. Um, actually, so last year during COVID, me and the fellas got where we got a little bored. So we decided to do a fantasy show about our league, um, which we had a wonderful time. Lots of great things happened. I mean, it, it was great. It was a big hit. Um, unfortunately, we didn't. We're not getting paid to do that, so it's not something we can do all the time. We all have to work, things like that. So we said, "Hey, you know, wh- how can we take this to the next level? Possibly make some money. Who knows?" So we decided to um, do go the podcast route. Um, and now the moniker, basically, of the show is we are the fantasy show of the people. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, we we grab some sponsors and we grab some money, and what we're going to do with that is give it back to the people. Uh, we have four, four contests that we're running. We have a football pool. We have an eliminator pool. Um, we have an ultimate team challenge. We have a, a, a top ten running back challenge. So if anyone's interested, please visit us at tssfantasy.com. You can sign up for all the free contests on there, um, and that's what we want to do. We want to give back to the people. Because at the end of the day, we feel like, you know, we've always felt like, you know, I've been playing fantasy football since before it was cool. And all the all I've seen all these experts come out. And yes, you know, they all they all have their, um, you know, great insight and things of that nature. But the fact of the matter is we are all guessing, aren't we? So we wanted to make it fun and give you some education at the same time. I do have um, um, a good friend of mine, Dr. Miller, comes on. He analyzes injuries, things like that. And while this Deshaun Watson thing is going on, my wife is a lawyer. She comes on, and we've been talking to Deshaun Watson a little bit as well. So we give you a little bit of everything plus the fun as well. Yeah, it's a good program. That's I was going to bring that up if you didn't, the because uh, you come about it from multiple angles within the program uh, in each episode where you bring in the doctor to talk about the injuries and how it's going to affect, and then the lawyer to talk about the the legal stuff. It's neat. It's a great show. Uh, you guys are doing a great job with it. So uh, that's that's one of the reasons why we're bringing you on. Uh, well, just you. Usually. The other people on your show stink. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not as pretty. So this is the first time we've been on camera. So I figured I, okay. I would start it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk. I want to talk about tight ends first because sure. this year, 
Uh, I've been listening to guys and reading some articles and things like that, and I've just been blown away with how much hype some guys have gotten when it comes to the tight end and how little hype some other guys have gotten with tight ends as well. So I went on your website and checked out your rankings. I looked at the other guys too, but we're just going to talk about yours uh, today. And I also pulled up ESPN and CBS's ranks, uh, rankings as well to kind of compare what's going on there. Your current uh, top 10 tight ends. You start off with Kelsey, so you got that one right. Uh, then, <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> then, you, then you went Mark Andrews, which I love Mark Andrews. He's in my keeper league. I've had him. Absolutely love Andrews. Then you went with the rookie Pitts at number three. We're going to break all this down in a second. Then Waller. Sure. Then Kittle at five, which is lower than most have them. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you've got Gusecki, and i got to be honest with you. Um, Madden has has gotten me down on Gasecki because he drops too many passes in Madden, and so it, it just—it's got to be real, right? Um, hey, there's something to it. Never know. <laughs> Logan Thomas at uh, number seven, T.J. Hawkinson at eight, Robert Tunyon at nine, and then Tyler Higby at ten. So it's definitely an interesting top ten tight end list because it does vary, especially at the top uh, of of who you've got there. So explain to me. I get Kelsey at one. That makes sense. And I love Andrews, but explain to me why Andrews is above those other guys. Well, to me, he kind of floated up a little bit recently because of the injuries um, that happened in the receiving court. And they don't like we look Jackson's on a um, contract year. So we already know he's going to look to fling the ball around this year. You've got Rashad Bateman who went down. We don't know. It's a soft tissue injury which he had surgery on could be concerning um you know i had our doctor on talk about it he said they're so tight lip about it he doesn't even know what muscle it is um so they've been real tight lipped on on how long he'll be gone so i'm looking at it as we have lamar jackson on his contract year who's going to be his main target for at least for a good while is going to be mark andrews that's why i got him ranked number two all right then the rookie pits at number three now i'm i'm high on pits think he's going to have a good season I struggle to put him ahead of Waller and Kittle at this point although I can see why Kittle's down a little bit but we'll get to him in a second what gives you the confidence about Kyle Pitts being a top three tight end in in fantasy football this goes back to again uh adjusting after the Julio trade so once Julio Jones went left we have just Calvin Ridley you know we have Russell Gage but I mean Really, it's Calvin Ridley's show, and that's about it. So basically, in the Falcons' offense, which we know Pat Ryan, Matt, excuse me, Matt Ryan is always consistent, and they're always throwing the football. You'll have him as the number two receiver in Atlanta, essentially. So that's why I like him at number three. I like it. Uh, Waller in Vegas has had a couple great seasons. Uh, he makes sense to be up there in the top four. He's in the top four of almost everybody's rankings, actually top two in a lot of rankings right now. George Kittle down to number five, and I kind of see this uh, honestly, but uh, let me get your thoughts on it, and I'll give some opinions on it as well. Sure. Uh, there's a, a two-way train here. Now, one, if you look at my PPR rankings, I actually have Kittle up. Um, maybe one or two. Now, he's great a PPR guy. He's going to get targets. He's going to get the ball. The problem is, if you look at his stats, A, he's hurt a lot, and B, he doesn't get in the end zone, and that is problematic uh, for the tight end position. So I'm looking I, – I, again, I, I did a whole thing on Kittle and just don't see him being that guy that everyone's valuing so high. So essentially I put him on a bust watch – not to say he's going to be a total bust. He's going to be a great tight end 
in a in a in a position that you know there's not a lot of great guys. But at the same time, from where he's getting picked at, you know, if he's not getting in the end zone, he's not doing much for you. It's a value situation, right? I mean, where he's getting drafted at versus the productivity he's giving, it doesn't meet the value. Uh, it doesn't give you good value there at all. I, I'm a huge on rookie quarterbacks and tight ends. If there's a rookie quarterback, I love the tight end because there's going to be those checkdowns and those things like that. But you look at San Francisco, and I've said Trey Lance is starting week one. I've said that for two months now. Um, and 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 I could be wrong, but I'm not. So uh, George Kittle, though, their offense, when you look at the receivers they have, they're they're very good. I love Brandon Ayuk this year. I think he's going to be great. Uh, you look at the run game and how they use the running backs in San Francisco. You throw in Trey Sermon, the rookie there, and you're right. The touchdowns, Kittle's going to get some. He's going to be a fine player. Uh, I agree with you completely on that. The value just may not be right for George Kittle this year. And, you know, if you're drafting with some guys that don't pay a whole of a lot of attention, you might be able to get some some nice steals because they take guys like Kittle too high versus the value that they're going to get. Exactly. Dad, what do you think about George Kittle being number five on the tight end list? Oh, uh, that surprises me a little bit. I mean, I think it makes sense kind of what's being said. But um, I tried to think that in my mind, you know, where, where where should he fall? Where should I take him at? And sometimes it's just when a guy was so good, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, he's going to fall that far. Um, and, again, you know, and, and you might be right about the value thing, but I, I've got to believe he could be really, really good. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he would be. Uh, five surprised me a little bit. Um, I really like Pitts. That's probably the one that surprised me the most up there, just being, you know, he's a rookie. But, again, with Ryan, that, that you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, 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 you know, you've seen people with Kittle and these guys, you know, from Iowa that's, you know, come out and played real well early. So he could. Logan Thomas from Washington, he is consistently at number seven. You have him at seven in these rankings. Uh, ESPN has him at seven. CBS has him at seven as well. I put Logan Thomas as one of my sleepers when we went through the NFL divisions. Um, and I said then, I'm not sure that he's actually a sleeper or, or not. Um, <laughs> I consider him to be not a top value guy. Um, but if it's a guy that you can get later in the draft, he's worth getting. What do we expect? Logan Thomas kind of had a coming out party last year. I've heard some people be really skeptical of whether or not he can repeat that. And, you know, new quarterback um, might try to stretch the ball down the field, should help him out a little bit. Uh, what's your confidence level on Logan Thomas? Because that's – I like Logan Thomas. I'm just not confident that he's going to produce for me. Well, you know, this is – but this is where we're getting those – that tight end tier where you're you're right. It's you're, You can't be quite confident in a lot of these guys as we get start to get a little lower as we go. Um, but – with Logan Thomas, I actually am a little high on Logan Thomas. I, you know, with, I like, you know, I love Fitzpatrick. I'm a huge Dolphins fan, so I love Fitz, Fitzpatrick. I know, I saw what he did. He did well with Gasecki. So it's not like, um, you know, he can't find the tight end and, you know, he'll be a threat down the field. I, I like him a lot. You know, you got Curtis Samuel there, there now. You know, I, I really, again, Fitzy all year is going to be great. I'm real high on that Washington offense. So it only it would only behoove Logan Thomas if Fitzy's going off. 
See, I'm down on Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the one who says, hey, the guy has a ceiling of eight wins and that's it. Let's throw out Heineke and see what he's got. Uh, no, I, but, I'm uh, with you. I'm with you football-wise. You're 100% correct. Fantasy-wise, fantasy however, wise. if he if you keep him on the field, we're good. He's, he's going to get your points. He's going to produce. That brings us in your rankings to number eight, TJ Hawkinson. Um, he is higher in both ESPN and CBS. I've seen Hawkinson as high as three. And I've seen a ton of people coming out on Twitter. And again, it's not professionals, just fans and different people saying this, but they, they've just, they're swearing by the fact that TJ Hawkinson is going to be a top three tight end in fantasy football this year. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world? And you kind of go to the Kyle Pitts theory with this, right? Who right. else is golf going to throw the football to? Exactly. But, um, Boy, I just don't see it. <laughs> I, I got him. I, I put Hawkinson in that eight to 12 range. Um, when I look at it, eight, I think is fair for him in, in that range at the very least. I think like you talked about the tiers. Yeah. Now you're getting really muddy in these tiers and things. So I'll kind of go with the question I asked with Logan Thomas. Uh, um, the confidence level with Hawkinson. Some people are overly confident. You've got him at eight, so obviously you're not as confident as some of those people are. But, I mean, why is Hawkinson getting all this love? Is it because there's no one else to throw to? I Do you hit the nail on the head? Um, you know, anything that I've read, it's basically that's the exact synopsis. It's, I mean, Tyrell Williams, uh, Brashard Perryman, who, who else do they have there? Other than Swift, maybe some dump-offs. So that's, of course, I could come on here and tell you the same exact thing. But I am totally in the same mindset. I just don't see it neither. The other good, th- the other thing too is that you look at Dan Campbell. Used to be a tight end in the league. I think other people are getting hyped on that. Anthony Lynn did well with Hunter Henry, so you know maybe there's some hype with that too. Um, but you know, and I see him. Yeah, PPR wise, I could see him being a decent. He might be up there. Uh, top maybe get you a top five maybe in a PPR but again in standard you would very he's very much touchdown dependent and and an offense that might be very lackluster I think like like we were saying I think we're kind of going down the tiers a little bit with Hawkinson yeah the other thing we talked about when we did the NFC North was they're gonna be behind a lot this season so they're gonna be throwing the ball a lot in the second half which is gonna boost some of those numbers especially in those PPR leagues Dad, I know you are, you know, really high on the Lions. You think they're going to be Super Bowl winners this year. Uh, <laughs> Dad, how many Lions are you considered drafting in fantasy football? Um, not, not, not a whole lot. So pro- probably be two. You know, Hawkinson would not be one of my first tight ends, but if. If he was the highest ranked one when I get, you know, when I pick a tight end, then I, I wouldn't go away from him because he's been good. Um, you know, again, like I said, they could throw to him a lot, but I mean, who's going to throw it to him? I, you know, we're still not convinced about, I'm not convinced about that. And, um, so, you know, we, we will see. Um, you know, again, with our new coach, you know, we don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to play. Um, if I heard it right today, they, they cut a pretty good wide receiver or a guy that's been there before, and you know, coach just wasn't happy with the wide receiver. So, is there a chance he's going to run the ball more? Yeah, uh, who knows what the Lions are going to do? Nobody knows. Campbell said we'll bite off kneecaps. Um, they <laughs> trade for Jared Goff. You know, I mean, who knows? Um, 
Number nine on your list is the guy that me and dad are both really high on, Robert Tunyon with the Packers. Um, you look at Green <laughs> Bay and their offense and what they do. They always put up points offensively. They're always putting up points. And me and dad are higher on the receivers. Uh, you know, Outside of Devontae Adams, we're high on Devontae Adams. But everybody's high on Devontae Adams. We're higher on the other receivers than most people. But, again, dad owns the team. Uh, I, we watch a lot of football <laughs> with the Packers, and we just we're, – we're, we're, we're confident in them, needless to say. Robert Tunyon is a guy that just – he catches touchdowns. And uh, this year is an interesting year, though, because Aaron Rodgers, he's in a weird mindset. Um, he's It's him against the, the management. He's going to be out to prove some points. He's going to have a great season, I think, but statistically at least. But when I look at him, I go, okay, if, if Rodgers is not in love with this receiver, these, this pass catcher, it might be a slow year for that person. On the other hand, he is in love with Robert Tunyon, uh, Big Bob as he calls him. So Adams and Tunyon are two guys, and Aaron Jones are the three guys that I think are going to get a ton of touchdowns this year just because Rodgers is going to just shove it down their throats. Um, you've got him at number eight, which means that you're not super confident in that fact as well. Um, my thing with Tunyon is I think he's going to catch touchdowns. That's why I've got him higher on the list. Actually, I've gone on record of saying he's going to be a top four tight end this year in fantasy football. Ooh. But uh, people accuse me of being a homer in that situation. I think I back it up with with a little bit of reason. But nonetheless, you've got him <laughs> at nine. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Tunyon, um, what you're seeing well, from him. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I feel like just in the few minutes I've sat here, I feel I feel like I'm already swayed a little bit by <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I actually do. I do like Tony, and like you mentioned. Um, but like you mentioned, there are so many targets in Green Bay. I mean, bringing Cobb back to I just I like you said. I love Aaron Rodgers. Always have. Like I, in fact, um, last year I remember drafting him. I don't remember what round it was, but I remember people making like a scoff, like Aaron. Rod I'm like, yeah, Aaron. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, and then of course he had the season that he had. And I'm like, look at these people. Like, what? I mean, what are you so? Um, I like Tunyon. Again, the issue for me is just there's so many balls to go around. And, yes, you're right, Aaron is going to fling it. I just don't know how many are going Tunyon's way. That's kind of where I have him ranked. But I do like him. He's got plenty upside. Definitely. All right, so a couple guys that are in other people's rankings, top ten that are not in your top ten. Uh, Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia. A lot of people, of course, have him over Ertz. As we've kind of seen Zach Ertz fall from grace there in Philadelphia a little bit. Um, you, what do you think about the the Philadelphia tight end situation, specifically where Dallas Goddard's going to play? This is almost like uh, the quarterback situation in Denver or, or New Orleans. I mean, I just don't know what's going on. I um, and it's like it's not like Ertz is like a, take a step back physically. He's fine. It's just I, I don't. We just maybe it's a head thing. I don't know. Um, so that's where I'm at. Like, I don't, I don't really know. And so that's why I got Goddard and, and Ertz. Like, I, I still think Ertz is the guy. Um, but you know, who knows at this point, that's why I can't put them so high because we just don't know yet. Um, and until I know, then I might bring them up a little bit. Um, but right now it's just such a, one of those situations that every week seems to be something new I'm hearing. So we'll just, I think just leave them kind of out of the top 10 cause they kind of almost cancel each other out at this point. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts scares me. I, I, you know, I love Jalen Hurts. When coming into the draft, I was high on Hurts and everything. I just don't like the situation he's in, and it scares me to death that he's not going to be put in the right situation to succeed. 
And I, but the tight end position is one that Hurts could throw to a lot. But sure. you're right. Who's he, which one's he going to throw it to? How are they going to set it up? All that kind of stuff as well. Um, what I about think Noah? To your point, to, yeah, real quick, just to your point too, um, just like you brought up with the Lions, I feel like the Eagles are going to be doing the same thing. So it's yeah. not like, you know, there aren't somebody to watch out, you know, once we get that um, loaded up. But their secondary is trash. I mean, they're going to be. Oh, here, I got to say that low. My wife hears me, but the, it's awful. So we, <laughs> so they're going to be throwing a lot once they establish who that tight end is. And yes, all right, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> You're fine. Noah Fant in Denver. He's kind of a popular name because he was a draft pick, and everybody kind of assumed he was going to be the next coming of the tight end position. Uh, CBS and ESPN both have him ranked number nine. I like Fant. Okay, um, I'm not sure that I've got him in my top ten. You obviously do not. So, what are your thoughts on Noah Fant? Um, again, going back to who's the quarterback, we don't know. We don't know what this offense looks like. Um, you know, and, and no offense, got injuries, injury history. So I, I'm of two mindsets with him. Is it, you know, is he going to play a full season and who's the quarterback throwing the ball? And now if Locke comes out like he did in preseason, um, you know, maybe gangbusters, Teddy Bridgewater looked good in the last one. So again, until we establish that, I, again, one of those situations where I just can't get him above that top tier. Yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater should be the quarterback in Denver. Um, I've, I've, we said, we talked about this in our last episode. Uh, Drew Locke, I know he's got the potential. He's the young kind of unknown guy. And I, I think he can last in the NFL, but ultimately I think we're looking at Teddy Bridgewater's the one that can give the most wins to Denver. And I think the best for any fantasy guy out there as well. Uh, last one in the top 10 that I saw really surprised me was Minnesota's Irv Smith. Mm. Um, I was shocked CBS has him as number eight on their list. Um, that one surprises me a little bit. Um, he's okay. He's not a bad player, but uh, Irv Smith is not a guy that I have in my top ten in tight ends. Is he going to be a, a valuable piece in Minnesota? When you look at Thielen, you look at Jefferson, you look at Dalvin Cook, um, I think their weapons are more dangerous to steal away from Irv Smith than the Packers' weapons stealing away from Robert Tunyon. Agree. That's 100% correct. That's why he's not in mine. I think right now everyone's very hyped on his camp. Uh, you know, I've seen him on, even on Good Morning uh, uh, Football, I've, I've seen they had a big thing on him specifically on the catches he was making in camp, this and that. I mean, listen, we can have great camps all we want, but we got to put it in practical play. And, you know, like you mentioned, <laughs> Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, where, where does he fit in there? Um, so again, we'll see, you know, it remains to be seen. He's somebody to watch out for because again, her cousins like Matt Ryan, another kind of the same giant, he's consistent. It's going to get 4,000 yards. You know, can't, how much, how much is he going to, is Earth Smith going to get of that is, is where we got, what we're going to find out. Yeah. Last Patriot or last tight end question I have for you. We're switching that out to a different screen. Um, Patriots, they bring in two big free agent tight ends this year. Mm. Uh, they bring in Hunter Henry, which at first everybody was like, ooh, Hunter Henry, that's awesome. And then they bring in Jonu Smith, and you're like, whoa, two tight ends. We're back to the old <laughs> Gronk Hernandez days. But for a fantasy player, the question has to be asked, which Patriot tight end mm. are you taking? Oh, man. Um, this is tough, like very tough. Um, it seemed like, you know, to me, you know, Jonu Smith, it's it's the hype you know it's it's feel like we've run this hype train with before um but with hunter henry he's he's been consistent what i look in for any fantasy player is consistency 
Hunter Henry has a proven track record. He's done it before. So I do have him slightly above Janu. However, Hunter Henry, again, has injuries. So who knows if an injury happens? Janu Smith obviously becomes huge value. I don't, however, see this being the old Gronk and Aaron Hernandez um, double tight end set. However, it could work out that way. I just don't see them both complimenting each other that way. Um, so I, I would, I, again, I'll put Hunter Henry up now. He's just outside my top 10 at 11. And I think I got Johnny at 13 because that goes back to, I think, the Lions comparison. Who else is there to throw to in New England right now um, other than Nelson Aguilar? I mean, there's not many outside big play threats that you're worried about. So who's going to be that guy that's going to step up for whomever, again, the quarterback may be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gronk and Hernandez, they were a killer duo. Boom. All right. Uh, Dad, anything <laughs> uh, anything with the tight ends you want to ask before we move to running backs? Uh, no, I may have missed it, but where do you have Gronkowski, and what about him and Howard? So I, ha- I think I got Gronk on top of my head somewhere around 13 or 14, somewhere in there. Because I, well, I got John New 13, so I think he might be 12. He might be in between in there. He's somewhere in that in that range. Um, OJ Howard, I, I just I don't think much of him because it's like he's had his own time before and he's he's been there and he ha- he just hasn't stepped up yet. Um, and listen, the tight end position is not you know I hate to sound like this. <laughs> sound like a, a Mr. Know-it-all, but it's not rocket science. You block, you run, you catch. I mean, there's not much to it. So if Gronk can maintain his body, um, you know, he can have a pretty decent season. Um, in fact, the first year when he first went to Tampa, I remember watching the first couple of games and he got hit low a couple of times. And you could just see in his body language, um, it was just he got up and was just like, man, I cannot believe I'm back doing this again. But then, as you could see, as the season wore on, he started to get, you know, started to get the feel again. So, you know, it depends on how he rehabs and comes back. But, you know, I would expect a decent season. So, yeah, so Gronk and O.J. Howard, interesting duo there. Gronk probably going to end up with the more touchdowns and catches probably. Although this could be the one weird year where all of a sudden O.J. Howard finally fulfills this. Finally, right. <laughs> but if he does, it'll be at the surprise of everyone. Um, all right, let's move on to running backs. Uh, we got about 10 more minutes left here. And uh, at the top, it, everybody's pretty much the same, um, except for your rankings. And I'm assuming this has a, a non-PPR factor to it, but maybe I'm not. You yeah, this was, that was the standard okay. range, I think. Okay. All right. So, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's at the top of everyone's list. You got Henry first, Elliott second, and then Christian McCaffrey. That's in standard leagues, non-PPR. I would still go McCaffrey first, but I'm down on the Titans. I don't have a lot of faith in them this year. I think they're going to be a big disappointment all around. But mm. while well, I say that, I still have them winning the division. <laughs> but but it's not, anyways. not a not a, yeah. not a hard division to win. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dalvin Cook is up high on most people. You've got him in the top four. Um, I like kind of where you go five through ten. So you've got Henry Elliott, who I'm scared to death of, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. Uh, Taylor from Indianapolis, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Gibson from Washington, and then Vegas's Jacobs. Uh, they're rounding out your top 10. This is standard leagues, non PPR leagues, uh, here. So Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, he's been one of the bigger disappointments in recent years. And 
you know, you've got them at number two. So obviously you're confident to bounce back. I love the Dallas offense. I think the offense is going to be phenomenal again this year as it was before Dak got hurt last year. And, uh, but Ezekiel Elliott just, he just scares me. We don't see him hit those holes the same way he used to. Um, he seems to in the last year, last two years, just kind of scared to get hit. Um, which I understand I'd be scared to get hit, <laughs> but, uh, tell <laughs> You're me not your thoughts paid on to do it, though. <laughs> that's right. And especially not millions of dollars. Um, yeah, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott that high, what gives you the confidence that he can fulfill that, that draft position? Okay. So I am just high in general on the Dallas offense this year. And to be quite frank, it would surprise you to know in a horrible lackluster offense with Andy Dalton at top, Ezekiel still ended up top 10 running back last year. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's it in itself is something to you know and I ha- I owned him he had a few games off and on he was okay um and like you said maybe you know and, and again I just look at the things from you know a different perspective but I just look at it as you know maybe as an athlete you know like you know this season's trash <laughs> why am I out here busting my hump possibly I don't know I've never been in their shoes I can't speak to that that would just be my my thought um, regardless, though, comes in healthy, lean, ready to go in an offense that is ready to rumble with Dak back. I just see him having a phenomenal year this year. Um, and again, coming in lean is it will, what really kind of swayed me. And to be just to talk at CMC real quick, I had him last year. So this might be a personal thing. And I was number one pick in um, two of my big leagues. And so I <laughs> twice. So that might be a personal thing also that I got him at three. Okay, Dad, you're a Christian McCaffrey fantasy owner. Uh, you've been pretty happy with him, even though he's been injured, right? Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey, you know, I've had him in the keeper league for a while, and he's carried me last year. You know, it, it hurt. You know, he got hurt, and Kittle got hurt, so I was in bad shape in the keeper league. But um, so hopefully they'll both bounce back. You know, McCaffrey, um, you know, is pretty much high on, you know, everybody's list. But over the years, I've seen, you know, well, this guy's number one. And all of a sudden, you know, a guy doesn't stay number one forever. But I think he'll, cool. be, he'll be good, um, you know, from there. So, you know, guys that are just ranked high uh, after a while, you know, I, I learned you can't just, just because they're ranked high. I remember one year I had the third pick. And um, the third running back, you know, it's boy, I, I, I've got to take him. And it was Eddie George, and that was a terrible thing. That was the year he went. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I learned you, you, you can't, you know, just stay with a guy forever. But McCaffrey, again, you know, bounced back from injury. We think, you know, we think Carolina could be a lot better. So you never know. Yeah, I'm super high on Carolina. I say that again. I don't have their having a great record, but I li- I think they're going to see a lot of improvement this year in Carolina as a whole as an offense uh and and whatnot from there. Jonathan Taylor, he's the fa- my favorite player that I've never been able to get. I say never. Last year he was a rookie, but uh, I could not acquire him. I I didn't draft him in time. I couldn't trade for him. Nobody would trade him to me. I love Jonathan Taylor. Loved him in college. Love him so far in the pros. You've got him number 6 overall. Um, Carson Wentz back at practice already. And, uh, so that's a positive sign for Indianapolis. Um, Jonathan Taylor, do we expect any kind of sophomore slump from him? I mean, you've got him at six, so I'm guessing not too much. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, even as you ever talking about it, I might even bump him up above Kamara, to be honest with him, real high in Jonathan Taylor as well. And they did a lot of improvements on their offensive line. Again, you mentioned it. Carson Wentz is starting from day one. Uh, again, offense clicking on all cylinders then. Now you got an improved O-line. So, you know, this – Jonathan Taylor could be set for a really big year this year. I do like him a lot. Um, and the reason I mentioned Kamara is I he's one of those guys like Kareem Hunt that I foresee just taking a step back. And I don't want to skip ahead, but just really quickly – Kamara for it. We don't know who, what quarterback's going to be. If it's Jameis Winston, he's going to dump it downfield half the time. He's not going to dump the ball off. We know, we know hell or interception, it's going to be down the field. So not to Kamara. Um, so in last year, Kamara, and I apologize, I don't have the stats here at the top of my head, huge amount of touchdowns. You can't always go back and produce that. It's not always going to happen like that. So Kamara and Hunt, Hunt as well, the same thing. A lot of touchdowns. I see regressions in both. That's why I like Jonathan Taylor, maybe a little bit above Kamara. I might have to change that. Well, and that's where I want to go next is Cleveland. Uh, you talk about Hunt. Uh, Chubb's the other guy there. I've seen Chubb go into the third round in some drafts, which absolutely just shocks me that he falls mm. that far. I'm, I'm hoping that'd be great if he falls to round three. Uh, <laughs> that'd him. be great. But uh, I think I'd have him taken before round three. But nonetheless, yeah. um, you know, Chubb and Hunt, you got to look and, and figure out, are they both going to eat? Are they both going to be relevant fantasy players? I think they will. But Cleveland is that team that scares me the most because I feel like Baker Mayfield has the pressure to get everybody the ball. And instead of taking just what is there for him, He's trying to force things in because he knows if he doesn't get the ball to Odell, he's going to complain. If he doesn't get the ball to Hunt, if he doesn't get the ball to Chubb, if he doesn't get the ball to Hooper, then in Joku, to all these guys, Landry seems to be the one guy who's not going to complain if he doesn't get the ball as long as they're winning. And, uh, and so that scares me the most about the Browns, but dad, I know is high on Nick Chubb. I'm high on Nick Chubb as well. So Chubb's in your top 10. Hunt is not, but I don't think he's too far behind. Uh, there, your thoughts on the two Cleveland guys and how you can get value from them in a fantasy draft. So Nick Chubb is a resident uh, player of mine. I always draft Nick Chubb, and the, and it's very frustrating because and I've meant I've talked about this on my show a lot. You know, when I'm at home on Sundays, if I'm a Dolphin season ticket holder, if I'm not there, if they're a, if they're away and I'm at home, you know, I got the four TV set up. I'm watching everything. And here I am with Chubb, I'm with the Browns on and I'm watching Chubb. And I'm go, boy, go get it. You know, this play, that play, this play, that play going all the way down the field. And at the 10 yard line, here comes Kareem Hunt. It happened every time last year. I was I I don't know how many things I threw. It was so frustrating. So um, that to me in itself is what's what what I'm frustrated with in the Cleveland offense now. But again, you can't argue with the success with the 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 run game if they're going to constantly pound the football like they've been doing. Maybe do some play action to Odell. You give Jarvis. You know he's the possession guy. I love Jarvis Landry. You know, like you mentioned him, he's a football guy. He's a football player. Those are the kinds of guys you want on your team. Um, but fantasy wise, PPR is good. Anyway, regardless, I like Nick Chubb. I'm not, as I mentioned, not so high on Kareem Hunt. I don't see that. I, I just like I said, as the game flow went, your game flow is not always going to be Chubb's going to go all the way down the field, and then here comes Hunt. It just seemed to work out that way last year. We'll see if it happens this that way this year. All right, we're we're getting close on time. So before we we uh, do it, get 
say goodbye to you, I want to ask you about the Dolphins because when you look at fantasy guys on the Dolphins, I am scared to death of Tua. I I don't have confidence that he's going to be successful. Um, they don't have a, a ton of help for him <laughs> um, either. Uh, now, some people might disagree with me. I don't think he has a ton of help. Uh, at least top-notch, a true number one receiver, uh, legit depth there if if injuries and suspensions don't don't fall into play um, there and everything. So let's start real quick with Tua. Um, as a Dolphins season ticket holder, how confident are you that he's the quarterback of the future? Very, very confident. Um, you know, when, when I had my doctor on, we talked about his injury very specifically. He essentially went through a car accident, had no rehab, you know, basically had no offseason, excuse me, um, with COVID, uh, comes into a, a very strange year um, and played timid, uh, rightfully so. And you, I, right away when camp started, all you heard was the interceptions and this and that. That's It's practice, people. That's what you're there to do. And it's encouraging to see him in preseason fling the ball down the field. So I'm high on two of this year. That's why I got Gusecki at six. Um, so I, and going to your other point, I do like their weapons. I like Waddle. I think that's a good connection there. Don't forget Devonte Parker is legit. He, he had it. He had a great season with Fitzpatrick because he flung the ball down the field. So if Tua can represent that again, I'd like to see Parker again, you know, he'll be a good touchdown guy. You got Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle. Don't forget about Albert Wilson. He had a great year. He just didn't play last year because of COVID. Um, Jakeem Grant can't catch a lick, but, you know, if he catches a slant, he, may, he might take it to the house. Never know. Um, but I do like the weapons there, so I, I am kind of high on Tua. So if you could acquire Deshaun Watson and he's not arrested and thrown in prison and suspended forever, would you take, would you take Deshaun Watson over Tua? Not at this point. And maybe, okay. uh, you know, you talked to me earlier, you know, before this, you know, before we got to camp, maybe I, I just, you can't do that to Tua. It's, it would be, he, this guy's worked his butt off. He looks good. He looks the role. I mean, how can, how could you as, as a coach or a general manager look at your team again and say, yeah, I have faith in you. And, and you know, I, I would have no faith in management, no faith in anyone if they did that. So to me, no way. We're riding with our boy. Let's do it. I love Brian Flores. I love what the Dolphins are doing overall. I'm I'm hoping Tua succeeds. I'm not an Alabama fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't like to see people fail. So I'm hoping that Tua succeeds. Um, I have to see it first with him. I don't have that confidence level with him. All right. We've been joined today by Commissioner Cooper from TSS Fantasy. Uh, Commissioner, tell us where everybody can find you on social media, your website, um, podcast, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, you can find us at tssfantasy.com. That's our website. We're on all social media platforms at TSS Fantasy. You can us Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I'm on them. Um, and uh, we're on Spreaker. We're on um, Spotify. We're on any pretty much anywhere you hear podcasts. That's what we're on. And now on the Untinged Radio Network um, every morning at 8 a.m. So we try to be the morning show. So while you ride to work, you can... Laugh at our hijinks. And I do want to say real quick, Vince, I cannot wait to show this to my dad. I literally am so excited because I'm going to say, Dad, do you see this? If if we have someone here who's able to operate and talk about football and be on YouTube, you can handle your iPhone. You can yeah. do it. <laughs> That's right. And dad, my dad, he has to switch out from the computer to the phone because for whatever reason, at the 40 minute mark, every every episode, uh, there's a glitch and he has to switch over. Uh, and me and dad, I've been talking sports with dad since since I could talk. 
and uh, we have a good time with it. So, yeah. That, was, that was a seamless transition, too. We didn't even notice. Great job. That's right. All right. Great. Uh, Commissioner Cooper, thanks for being with us. We'll have you on again as the season goes on. Everybody, make sure you go visit tssfantasy.com and unhinged radio and bellyupsports.com and all that good, good stuff as well. <laughs> And catch and catch Commissioner and his his uh, friends and cohorts and wife and all those good people as well. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Vince. We appreciate it. All right, have a good one. See, sir. All right, Dad. There you go. Fantasy football from the experts. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about before or before and during the football season when it comes to fantasy uh, football. We're going to have on next Tuesday. We've got. Uh, Joel going to be with us. He was going to originally be with us today and had a conflict and couldn't make it to talk some quarterbacks and his article from bellyupsports.com, uh, top 12 quarterbacks as well. So we'll have him on next week to talk about that. Um, yeah, dad, you know, it's funny. The guys we've already talked about how we've kind of disagreed on some of the guys and things like that, uh, as well over time, um, kind of comes up again. Uh, you know, I, again, I'm scared to death of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I love Jonathan Taylor. He has Kamara lower. We were running out of time, so I didn't want to spend too much time on it. But nonetheless, uh, good stuff there. Any final thoughts, Dad, before we go? No, I mean, you know, like I said, I love fantasy football. I love fantasy football drafts. But everybody's got a different opinion. And I read this time they said, look at all, of, look at all the rankings, study everything you can. And then just go with your gut and make your own list. And that's about what you've got to do. But he was very interesting. Um, Commissioner Cooper there, you know, seemed very knowledgeable. And, um, you know, I, I tried to pay attention. Okay, good. Good. All right. Uh, we've got to go, but thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're listening to us on Unhinged Radio, stay tuned for more great programming. If you're listening to us on the podcast or watching us on, on, uh, live, whatever it may be, make sure you go and follow us at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. Go visit law-terrain.com. Use the code SportsStove for 10% off your next purchase. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.